You are listening to Breaking Away, a candid podcast by Chris, developed for the sex-positive community, exploring adult-themed societal norms and how some are breaking away from them. Please know this podcast will contain adult themes and adult language. If you're okay with this, stay tuned for this week's episode. Hello and welcome to Breaking Away with Chris. Today I want to talk about uh, the destigmatizing and uh, the things that women feel uh, shameful about um, when it comes to sex. Last week we, or last podcast, we talked about um, dick pictures and opening the conversation uh, about, you know, why why penis owners are so prone to show it at every possible instance. And I, I feel that uh, we got to go on the other side of things and talk about why women are uncomfortable showing their body parts um, at every possible instance and the inherent shame that is uh, a part of uh, being a female. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is orgasms. And specifically, faking them or not. Now, one thing that I see time and time again is women who fake orgasms are bad, shameful. And the, the sexual vernacular is, if you're, if you're faking an orgasm, you're doing something wrong. There is no reason to fake an orgasm ever. And I gotta be honest, I just don't believe that's true. There are valid reasons to fake an orgasm. And whether you fake or don't fake, have an orgasm, have multiple orgasms, all these things, we should be able to freely talk about them. You know, maybe you couldn't orgasm for a reason, but you had a really, really great time and you wanted to show your appreciation to the person partaking in the orgasms with you by giving an enthusiastic moan or, you know, a, a satisfied a satisfied sigh or shudder or toe-curling um, faking. I, I don't see any harm in that. And I, I know this is not a popular belief where the, the general consensus really is that women should never fake an orgasm. It's a lie to the partner, it's a lie to them, there's clearly something wrong or amiss, and this should never happen. And I I think we have to have more dialogue about why orgasms are faked, if there's reasons, if there's not reasons, if they just felt like it, didn't feel like it. We we really got to start having these conversations about orgasms and talk further about all the multitude of ways that people can orgasm orgasm and celebrate that fact rather than the the hard line of just shame you know not good enough uh and that leads directly into my next point of this whole not wet not wet enough this myth that female lubrication is a sign of her arousal. Yeah, sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's not. Um, there are many reasons that a body does not get wet in a timely manner. 
There are many reasons why self-lubrication is not going to remain for the entire sexual escapade. So there shouldn't be shame in buying lube, using lube, celebrating ways that you can make sex more pleasurable for everyone. And I think that's the underlying thing that I'm really struggling with. Why anybody would put shame on something that is amazing just confuses the hell out of me. You know, we we go one step further. People who use sex toys in the bedroom. Sex toys should be celebrated. You know, they're they're good for individual pleasure, partner pleasure, group pleasure. They're, They're enhancements. They're not an indicator that the sex with a person is bad and they need help. And I, I think that's a big myth. There's this like inadequacy or uh, superiority complex or this weird competition um, to be to be sexually robust without the use of any aids, um, vibrating uh, or otherwise. It just we need to start having these conversations and that is what I am really, really trying to do. So I, I want to hear from you. What what do you do in the bedroom to end shame? What have you done in the past that you felt shame? Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a household where <clears throat> it was pretty much mandatory that I wore makeup. I had very, very short hair and I was told that I always had to wear makeup so I looked feminine. Um, so of course I rebelled against that hardcore. Um, uh, to this day, it is very, very rare you will see me wear makeup of any kind. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't enjoy the feeling of being forced to cover up the way I naturally look. Um, and I, I fought really, really hard about that. But there are ideals that we seem to put in place for women that they have to do. Um, and I think it's really cool now that there are so many men out there who are starting to wear makeup because they want to, not because it's forced or expected. Um, I And further to that, I think it is super cool the amount of people, or uh, and I will say specifically men, who let their uh, little girls paint their toenails and proudly go to work with all manner of colored fingernails or toenails. And, you know, there's a couple of uh, men uh, in my very close circle who love this. It's it's a celebration. It's a bonding moment with their children. Um, and I, I think it's such a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I'm one of those people who will take the time to compliment them on that. Uh, that being said, knowing that it's a choice and it's a bonding and it's a ritual, you know, I, I think we've got to start talking more about that and celebrating that nail polish is not just for boys and not just for girls. Um, when I was when I was younger, and this is a really, really big change, so we'll say, you know, 20 years ago or so, um, I had uh, young male family members, and um, their mom would paint their nails uh, during the day, and then quickly remove it before their dad got home, because he would have blown a gasket. 
And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. And it's really cool seeing that we're starting to shift away from that shame and stigma. Uh, wearing makeup or wearing nail polish um, or hair dye uh, is no longer uh, a gender expectation. It's something that every human being has the right to do or not do if they so choose. So let's uh, keep chatting about this. Uh, I want to talk about bras briefly. Uh, this expectation that you have to wear bras. Uh, recently, um, a friend of mine uh, just wrote a, a post um, on Medium, which I will link in my bio, uh, about free, free the titties. And it is such a refreshing take from a male's perspective on what goes through his mind when he sees women wearing or not wearing a bra, his experiences having children uh, who wear bras and just understanding firsthand how uncomfortable, I guess secondhand, how incredibly uncomfortable they are, and then acknowledging that men don't have those same restrictive measures in place. You know, men can go commando or not wear underwear, or sorry, wear briefs or boxers or tidy whities they're, they're free to choose whatever their comfort level is. And there's no, there's no shame or stigma or expectation from society. I know for a fact uh, when I used to work uh, in the corporate world downtown, it would have been a send-home offense had I ever shown up without a bra. Absolutely inexcusable. You cannot do that. Bras are mandatory. And man, even before uh, COVID times in isolation, I really started fighting this notion that I'm forced to do stuff and I don't wear bras very frequently anymore. But if I have to wear a bra, you know, doing sports, because I, I am quite large and not wearing some sort of support is not an option when running or doing any sort of cardio, my choices are so incredibly limited. I, it doesn't matter what I get. I've got lower upper back pain, shoulder pain, uh, breast pain, uh, chest pain. You know, the list can go on and on. And I am definitely not alone here. This really is a universal constant. But again, if a woman does not wear a bra, there is shame. We are so terrified of showing hard nipples because hard nipples equates directly to sex and are, as a society, we are terrified of sex. And, you know, I, in that regard, I can almost, almost, and I can't believe I'm saying this, empathize with men who are proud of their penises and want to display them all the time. And I, I think I see a correlation between men wanting to show off their penis all the time and women being completely fearful of showing off their nipples for having sexual connotations. And I, I think that's something that as, as a human race that wants to evolve and get to the next level, we've got to start talking about the whys and understanding that there is a difference between... Um, being sexual beings, being naked beings, 
being comfortable in our own bodies and the shame and stigma uh, attached. If you want a really, really good read, um, Unmentionable, The Victorian Lady's Guide to Sex, Marriage, and Manners by Therese O'Neill, uh, goes through the history of uh, what women went through in the Victorian era. Um, everything from corsets to hysteria to um, not wearing underwear so they could air out uh, being informed that they only had to shower uh, once a year or between, I think it was May and November, um, and they were encouraged to only shower or bathe once a week, but to never actually touch their lady bits because touching or masturbating was a, a sign of a weak or loose woman. woman. So you didn't even want to scrub down there. And, you know, she goes into what the smell would have been like. Uh, it just, it's absolutely awful where women came from and, and what we were forced to evolve from and where we're at now where it's still shocking to me uh, when I talk to uh, uh, my own peers and, you know, they'll tell me, oh, you know, every time I have sex, I get a, um, uh, a bladder infection or a UTI and I don't know what to do. Like, maybe there's something wrong. Or is, is the guy's dick dirty? Am I, do I need to douche more? And we have these conversations and I'm always astounded that these, these women were never taught every time you have sexual intercourse, you need to pee. <laughs> But you're not going to get that in a sex ed class. There's no book about that. Cosmo, I don't believe, ever wrote about that. Well, it might have, but never teen Cosmo um, in, like, the formative years when uh, um, sexuality is just kind of being explored. But peeing after sex is such a simple, healthy way to kind of flesh out the system and put you on the right track. It's a very natural easy way to kind of keep your body nice and healthy and in sync. But I mean, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I mean, I am now and I hope these conversations happen more in the future. So um, uh, to anybody listening, if you have any tips or tricks that you learned at a later age and you wish you had learned younger when it comes to um, orgasms or lube or, you know, um, UTIs or any of these things um, that are shameful and you know you never felt comfortable talking about I really want you to reach out um, because the the more we talk about it these uncomfortable conversations the better we're going to end up um, and, and I truly believe that we, we've got to keep talking and we've got to end the shame and you know there's something that um, I'm, I'm not I'm not brave enough to do it, but I've always thought it would be interesting. And I shouldn't say I'm not brave enough to do it. I just, I worry about the repercussions of doing it. But I thought it would be interesting if uh, a couple women got together and basically did a visual diary of what their vaginal discharge looks from day to day um, over a month period. Um, I, I know this isn't a really sexy conversation to have, but throughout the month, 
our vaginal discharge changes and uh of course fluids come out of us there's there's gravity and all the things working towards us and you know talk about when we menstruate there is stuff physically working to get out of our bodies and men are terrified of this in particular and i should say a lot of women are terrified too you know i I'll be the first to admit, um, I have a very, very sensitive little sniffer, and man, if something doesn't smell quite, quite above bore, I notice, I notice very quickly, and uh, as as a younger, uh, less uh, educated and open female, I was, I was disgusted, and I would think to myself, oh, how can she not smell that? Like, oh my God, she dare, like, she needs to take a shower. What I didn't realize, because I was young and naive, is odors are a natural part of being a human being. We have odors. Uh, every person uh, smells a little bit different. And, you know, now that they're starting to do a lot more research with, like, pheromones and all these really cool things and studies and, you know, how we react to them and all this awesome stuff, um, we need to take into account that we need to normalize that, you know, sometimes we smell different. And I know for me, um, my my vaginal discharge will smell different throughout the month or if I'm having sex regularly or, you know, if I'm having sex with a condom. Um, uh, I'm one of those people who is very sensitive to latex. Um, and if I have sex with a condom that is not uh, latex-free, I automatically will get a bladder infection. It's just a known, it's a given, but I don't think this is something that a lot of people want to talk about and want to, um, <laughs> want to publicly, you know, address. I, I do, because I'm me, um, but I... I don't want to be seen as dirty for proclaiming that. I don't want, you know, a male that I'm interested in or a female, a person that I'm interested in sexually to know that, oh, I just got over a bladder infection or I just had a UTI or, you know what, please excuse me. I've got to go discreetly take a quick shower. And, you know, we don't want to talk about that. And I, you know, I use the ubiquitous term we because... I have been very uncomfortable talking about these things, and it has taken me a really, really long time to find my voice. I'm so grateful for, you know, the ladies' tribe that I have and for Twitter, and, you know, I go on and on about how awesome the sex-positive community is. Um, because I see brave, brave human beings talking all the time, asking questions, sharing their information. And I just, I think it is such a shame that uh, platforms like YouTube um, demonetize sex education because we are at a pivotal point where we need more of it. And we need to celebrate and we need to support these people who are willing to talk about the things that affect us all. Whether you have sex or don't have sex, you, you still have bodily functions. And I, you know, we, we've got to end the shame and we've got to start having these conversations. So I will, I will leave my little rant, I guess, my little, you know, 
freedom of expression at that point. Um, thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your your safe sex tips, your your tips that have helped you understand your female body better, your male body, your intersex. I could go on and on. You know, the more we talk and discuss about the diversity, the better we're going to be and doing it in a shame-free way. I am so excited to see what the future holds for all of us with normal, healthy, adult conversations about sex and being sex positive in a shame-free, let's discuss way. Thank you again for listening. You have been listening to Breaking Away, a podcast for the sex-positive community. To learn more about Annie, please check out her blog at thestoryofa.com and follow her on Twitter with links to be found at the bottom of this episode. A huge thanks this week to Robert at Darth Mode for, be- for his generous support on Patreon. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever your favorite podcasts are hosted. And stay tuned for next week's exciting episode with Breaking Away.